Live and in color from the NBC News Radio Broadcasting Studios of KCAA, 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM, located in beautiful Southern California and in parallel from the Turfs Up Radio Studio in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Thanks for tuning in to The Water Zone Show this evening. And a pleasant afternoon to everyone around the country and the world. Welcome to the Water Zone. I'm Rob Starr, along with our other host, Mr. Chris Davies. Mr. Davies, how are you doing today? Fabulous. Just fabulous, buddy, here in uh, another dry spell, third day, I think, of, uh, of a dry spell. And it looks like when I look at my weather app, it looks like their little sun logo is on there for the next at least seven days. Uh, oh, that's it. That's good. It's getting warmer out here in Arizona. We, we didn't get much of that rain that you guys had last week. Just kind of a drizzle, at least where I am. And uh, mostly in the mid to high 60s. And uh, sunny and uh, nice. No wind. It's a great day. So I'm um, glad you're doing well out there. And, uh, you know, there's a lot going on in California with the water news. And I, I got a couple questions for our, our featured lady here who's the a purveyor of no- Maven's Notebook, and she's the, the know-it-all of water, so I want to bring her on. Chris, how are you doing today, Miss Austin? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you all doing? Awesome, Chris. Try to be, we try to be good. But one of the things I know we, we talked about last week and the week before is the huge snowpack that we have, but the drought's not over. And I don't know... I, I mean, I read what you put out and what some of the other people put out, but do you think all the customers of the water agencies understand that? Um, you know, probably not, because kind of like that John Steinbeck saying, you know, when 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 it's raining plenty, uh, people forget about the drought. He said it much more eloquently, but that was kind of the basic thing. Um, yeah, and I think people are, uh, I mean, we all hope that, that the drought is easing but again you know if you have to remember we've had three dry years so if you are out of work or had very little work for three years and then you had a month or two of really good money making uh would it would it make you whole likely not um and that's kind of where we're at yes we have a lot of uh snow in the in the Sierras, but we, you know, when the drought hits, uh, people hit groundwater even harder, and groundwater is not recovered, and groundwater uh, takes much longer for groundwater to recover than a surface water reservoir. Um, so, uh, you know, the groundwater basins are still depleted. That's where a lot of the water that people use where these last three years came from. So it's going to be a while before those groundwater basins kind of get back up to, to levels. Uh, and again, you know, a lot can happen between now and April 1st. And um, if we don't have any more, uh, any more precipitation of note, then each day that goes by that there isn't any precipitation to add to that snow past that no path is diminishing. So, um, you know, it really, again, it all really depends on uh, what we have on the ground on April 1st. And then we talk about April 1st because that has been traditionally, historically, when the snowpack is generally at its largest. 
Um, but, you know, we have some changing hydrology and changing conditions here, so um, I'm sh- not sure that's exactly true anymore. But. See, I thought that was for April Fool's Day that people say what they want. It's really not true. <laughs> <laughs> well, people still do that, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. and, and I guess also, the you know, the, the, the previous fires that we had was, uh, you know, was a big pull on some of the water that we've had in reserve. That, that that didn't help the situation before, but you know we got to worry about that going forward as well. Yeah, I mean, there's there's really while there's a lot to be thankful for, and certainly having more water in the reservoirs is is a good thing, and more snow in the mountains that's a good thing. Um, you know, but there's it's not time to you know pop the champagne bottles and you know start running your sprinklers full force, you know. There's a lot to there's a lot that has to happen between now and April first, and and even more that has to happen to really be out of the drought. And even you know even if the drought is is easing, we still all need to be careful with how we use our water and certainly not waste it. Uh, you know, and one of the easiest ways to do that is when it is raining outside is to turn off your sprinklers. It won't. You know, you won't miss that a bit, and, you know, you're just leaving the water in the reservoirs where it needs to be when you do that. Uh, well, that's that's very, very true. You know, we're in this situation, I would say we, California, where, you know, they're sort of colliding with these six other states about us taking less, us being California, taking less water from them. And Oh, how do you, yeah. Give us give us your perspective on what you you get out of all of that. Well, I mean, there's there's seven states. California is one of them that shares the Colorado River, and you know the Colorado River has been in a drought. They say for like twenty years, and those reservoirs on the Colorado River are down really really low, and so people need to be you know states need to be making significant cut. It's really hard to do this because, you know, everybody wants their water use to be prioritized and the water that should be cut is the the other person's, the other guy's water. He's the wasteful one. Um, I I don't know. I was actually really surprised to uh, see that Metropolitan was one of the holdouts because in general, Metropolitan is, I think, has been a good bargaining partner on the river, they've worked with the other states, and they've often been in the situation where they are siding with the other states, and it's the Imperial Valley that's the holdout, um, thinking about the drought contingency plan that was a few years ago. I think the bottom line is that, um, and we've talked about this before on this show, one-fifth of the flow of the river goes into the Imperial Valley for farming. And they do produce a lot of um, agricultural value out of the Imperial Valley, no doubt. In fact, most of your winter vegetables come from the Imperial Valley. Um, but that, that one-fifth of the river is more than any other state, you know, any of the states. It's significantly more than what Metropolitan uh, Metropolitan's rights to uh, the Colorado River are. So I kind of think that the people like Arizona is probably is saying, you know, we we are supporting millions of people 
with this water, and, and Arizona has already taken cuts, and I think they're looking for something substantial. And they, they point this at California, but I really think what they're saying is they what they really want to see is something substantial coming out of the Imperial Valley. Now, the Imperial Valley, uh, the farmers there feel that they have a right to that water, and they don't like seeing water leave the valley. Uh, they were did they participated in this thing called the QSA, the Quantification Settlement Agreement, which said, you know, California was always taking more than their right of water was on the Colorado River. In that case, that wasn't going to the Imperial Valley, but was actually going to Metropolitan at the time. But um but so they said, you know, you need to come down to your allotment of 4.4 million acre feet. Um, so uh, the Imperial Valley participated in this QSA, which uh, in which uh, San Diego, I believe, paid to line the irrigation canals in the Imperial Valley because they were still just dirt ditches. And I mean, this is the year 2000. Um, they were still dirt ditches, so they 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 cement lined them, and then they uh, and in return for that, San Diego got the amount of water that was conserved by doing that. So it ended up to be, I think, something like two hundred and thirty thousand acre feet or so of water per year going now to San Diego, and uh, they the farmers did not like that. I think they were sort of jammed in a point where they sort of had to agree, but after that, they all they there were cries of you know no more water leaving the valley. We're not going to do that again. Um, I don't personally. I don't think that's the way to go. I think it, this is really showing that our construct for water rights, which evolved around the you know, early 1900s, late 1800s, and early 1900s, um, don't really work as well in this new uh, new environment that we find ourselves in, the one that's getting hotter, drier, more frequent droughts, and also substantially more population in the Southwest than was there when the Imperial Valley got their water rights. Um, personally, I, if, if I, if the, you know, the head of IID came to me, and, and believe me, I doubt that he would. I, I would suggest that they bargain and they um, and, and that they figure out how to give make some significant amount of water because if they don't and they press to keep having these rights, I think we're going to see some, some changes come to water rights because I think it's going to be really hard for the courts to uphold uh, you say no more water going to Arizona because Arizona actually has, I think, some of the most junior rights on the river. So we cut off Arizona and all those millions of people. I think it's going to be hard for a court to uphold that. And once they, once you start, you know, getting into changing water rights, I think it's going to be a hard, a hard bus to to stop. So I would suggest that they that they'd be uh, more forthcoming um, and, uh, you know, bargain some more. 
but I'm not on the Imperial Valley Board of Directors, and that would probably be a very uh, a very unpopular opinion, I'm sure. Um, and I was also surprised to see Metropolitan sitting on the other side because they have this new general manager, Adele Haji Khalil, who seems to be uh, more interested in consensus and collaboration and, you know, and uh, the kinder, gentler Metropolitan in a sense. And I think as a, a sign of, of this is uh, they restructured their committees and they have a, the committee at Metropolitan now that that uh, works with imported water, con- conserved water, you know, water supplies in, in total is now headed up by Tracy Quinn, who used to be with the NRDC. And for those that, you know, <laughs> that understand this, you know, we have... Uh, you know, Metropolitan has someone on the board of directors that used to be with NRDC, and, and and she didn't leave NRDC because she she was changing her mind. You know, she actually went on to work with Heal the Bay, and she's the executive director of Heal the Bay now. So we're talking an environmentalist and someone who believes strongly in urban water conservation. So there, you know, there's definitely a change in, at Metropolitan. Um, and I was surprised to see them um, as a holdout. Um, we'll see what happens. They've submitted their own plan, and their own plan sort of tries to stick to those laws of the river, uh, those you know, those old constructs, and proposes deeper cuts to Arizona and other states uh, without with less impact to California. Um, so the impact yeah. with the, the the impact with all these states, the six seven states, you know, they could certainly take it to each each own state's courts. But I kind of think something like this, and as drastic as it needs to be looked at or or, or re implemented differently, is going to have to go to federal court. And, and oh and yeah, I would, and I would yeah. probably predict it Agreed. will go to the Supreme Court. Yeah. Yeah, agree. It, it could it could easily end up there. It, you know, this wouldn't be a state a state court issue. This would be a federal thing because the the you know Colorado yeah. River is managed by the Department of Interior. Yeah. Um, yeah. Chris Davy, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. You you were saying some stuff. No, I was just agreeing with you, Robin. Saying you know, I mean, you know, California's been. Correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, but I don't think so. We're out of those. Out of the state, we're the only ones that are. California's the only one that's uh, that's a holdout. Um, you know, typical of California, perhaps. But I mean, this is this just so our leaders, uh, our listeners, really understand what's going on. This is significant. You know, this isn't this isn't a small deal. It is probably in the in the uh, state's history, probably the you know the most drama that we've been dealing with for several years here. So it'll be it'll be very interesting. To keep a close ear to this and to, to listen to your uh, weekly reports, Chris. Yeah, and you know what? What's going to happen next is the Bureau of Reclamation, who is the you know out of the Department of the Interior, is going to have to make a decision on what they're going to do. Um, so you have a consensus solution of six states, or you have California's version. Um, I don't, I, I mean, I can't say how reclamation is going to rule, but they're going to be the ones that's going to have to make the decision, uh, because, uh, and we'll see what that decision is. Uh, stay tuned. I, I don't think we're done yet. <laughs> yeah. 
It's a pretty, pretty big deal, and it, it's, I don't think it's going to be settled that quickly, and, and they're going to need to do it quickly. Uh, I can't string this out for years before it gets up to the Supreme Court. So it's going to be interesting listening to that. Listening to that. Hey, yeah, also, well, there's a lot at stake, you know, a oh, lot at stake. There's yeah. a ton at stake. There's a ton at stake, yeah. yeah. You know, I've also, also been looking at this thing with uh, government of uh, Sonora, uh, and and they're getting all upset about uh, this company called uh, IDS. They're the ones who built the Poseidon uh, desalination plant down in Carlsbad and other and other places. They're the largest desalination uh, fabricator in the world. And um, I guess they're the Sonoran government's worried, or that they they're complaining about they have a lack of that IDS IDI has a, a lack of uh, ethics. And where they they they're going to uh, supposedly take massive amounts of water and ship it to Arizona. <laughs> yeah, of- well, it, you know, Governor Ducey's water plan included a big investment in um, in desalination. Now, there's a lot of questions as whether that's really going to work for Arizona, um, but that's kind of you know one of the things that that's been put on the table. So you know we'll have to see what what uh, what happens when when it all goes down. But yeah, apparently you know the governor said he's never going to meet with that particular company again. Oh. We'll we'll see. I don't know. Um, I'm not sure. Again, I'm not sure that's the answer. Um, but uh, people, you know, it's hard to cut back. It's hard to. You know, especially when if you have to cut off water to farmers, because that's their livelihood. I mean, I, I get it. It's it's hard, and the easiest thing is to try and look and and figure out how you can get more. Um, but well, it's, you know. it's a trickle down. It's a trickle down thing. You cut off water for the farmers. They don't produce the agriculture. Uh, whatever agriculture can can pick up the slack or try to pick up the slack, their prices are going to go up. And you know well, it's going to be difficult. And, and, but and I, I mean, don't don't kid yourself though. If if uh, Arizona says okay, we're going to contract for massive amounts of desalination, and they start sending that water out to farms, I mean that's expensive water. I mean yes. that that is expensive water for uh, people living in cities. It'd be even more expensive water for uh, for farmers if you were to use that. So, you know, it's uh, and and affordability is actually an important consideration. I mean, it I think uh, water bills and and electricity bills just keep going up and up and it it gets hard for regular people who don't maybe have minimum wage or close to minimum wage jobs, uh, you know, just to keep lights and and water on. No, I I agree. I, I think you know. I, I mean, I personally agree with the technology of the desal uh, process, but I also know that they're not at the place where they should be or or can be. I mean, there's future technology that's got to come into play to help getting rid of the brine and operation of the of the plant using less electricity. I mean, I think those things will come. It's just like electric cars and batteries. You know, you go out, you know go buy a car in California for. Sixty, seventy thousand dollars, and then they're not going to let you charge your car because you're going to use more electricity, or they're, you know, those kind of crazy things. But I, I really do believe desal's 
a, a key technology, but it's just like batteries. We're not at the stage where it should be or could be, I guess. And and uh, there's been a lot of a lot of things, you know, a lot of uh, um, technical technological advances, and desal is becoming more. Uh, you know, easier, more affordable, use less energy, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, and I think for certain areas, uh, desalination makes a lot of sense. I think, for instance, on the Monterey Peninsula, you know, they don't have any imported water and they have severely depleted groundwater basins. And, um, it's, you know, they're really having an issue with water supply. So the uh, water company there, Cal-Am, wants to build a, a desalination plant. Um, I mean, there's a lot of things about that project that make sense because, uh, you know, there's, there's already a population there and, uh, and they have to figure out how to support it, I think. I mean, I, I it would be terrible to be a homeowner in Monterey, say, and they say, okay, well, we don't have water for your house anymore, so, you know, off you go. You know, I mean, you, you know, there, there's the same thing as in Arizona. How how would you go into Phoenix and say, well, we can't send you any more Colorado River water, folks, so you all figure it out. Uh, you know, it's... Uh, and, and, Mon and Monterey has one of the, I think it's the highest uh, priced water in California. Oh, I actually, I think that actually goes to San Diego. Uh -huh. uh, but I, I imagine Monterey is probably close close on to that um you know and the more that you that you do these projects i mean somebody has to pay for them and those somebody's tend to be uh the the rate payers which is why i think federal funding for water projects is so important because it really speaks to that affordability factor if you can get a you know grant from epa or you know bureau of reclamation water smart uh, to upgrade your water treatment plant or whatever, um, then you're just saving your rate payers money. And I think it's, it's important to do that. Um, you know, that's why funding for these projects, you know, grant funding is, is actually really important. Yeah, I agree. Anything else that's, uh, that you see this week that uh, should be prevalent to our listeners? Well, I don't know. We are still here. Um, you know, we had some rain a few days ago. We had some. I, I, you guys were talking about how it was going to be all sunny down there. <laughs> Excuse me. But we have, uh, we do have some precipitation headed up here tomorrow and over the weekend. So we're looking for, you know, adding this is, you know, adding inches to the snowpack, but it's it's adding something. So that's all going to keep our snowpack in the mountains and, you know, keep it nice and big, and we're going to hope it's going to be extra big. I just I just saw the monthly update, the reservoir update, Chris, uh, just the one that Robert Chabani did. Um, and his face, you know, January was for, in the last, I don't know, just say 12 years or 11 years or something like that, the uh, the largest increase to um, reservoir levels in, in 11 uh, years. Um, and we still got some to go because there's a heck of a snowpack up there that's uh, that's going to start to uh, melt as the as the months get warmer. Yes, no, absolutely. And so we're we're going to hope, you know, we're going to cross our fingers and hope that 
come April 1st, we got a nice big snowpack up there. Uh, well, crossing those fingers. Hope we all wish for that at Christmas time. So <laughs> from there. Well, Chris, we're coming up to our commercial break, and we do appreciate you coming on. And for our listeners, you know, we I want you guys and, and ladies to, to love Miss Chris Austin as much as we do. Uh, go to her website. It's uh, www.maidensnotebook.com. Become a subscriber, even become a sponsor. It's a great way to get all the, all the water news that you can and every single morning. Uh, uh, Mr. Davey and I, I call him Mr. Davey, so I distinguish between Chris and Chris. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we all we all get our information every morning, and it's it's great to, 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 to learn in firsthand and get some of the insights that you don't get through the regular newspapers or, or the news. So that's a good place to go. So, Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. We'll talk to you next week. And... Uh, Keep on making the water come. All right. You got it. Good evening, everyone. Hey, Chris. Have a great week. All right. We're going to take a a little break, and we'll be back with our featured guest. So stick around for just a moment, and uh, we'll be right back. You're on board KCAA's Inland Talk Express. KCAA, Loma Linda, 1050 AM, the station that leaves no listener behind. Moving up in this industry means getting the most out of each day, so you can focus on growing your business. With Site One, you're in control, and we're here to help. It starts with the right team. Our irrigation pros can help map out a complete, streamlined system that meet any requirements or regulation. And from the first dig to years after install, knowledgeable experts are available in branch, or resources are available online to help find solutions specific to your needs. Next, we make sure you have the right tools to get the job done with the largest selection of top brands in the industry, bringing the latest in Wi-Fi-enabled controllers, rotors, sprays, valves, and drip components. And because hard work should always be rewarded, you'll receive personalized pricing and earn loyalty points on qualifying purchases to help you grow. You're in control. Site One is here to help. Water is one of the biggest expenses for communities, HOAs, universities, golf courses, and resorts. So keeping those costs under control, especially when rates are increasing while water supplies are being reduced, are often essential to a customer's survival. Managing water requires multiple skills, which is why it's been complicated and difficult until now. AquaTrack brings multiple skills and technologies together to help large system users conserve outdoor water and improve the health of their landscapes. AquaTrack's professionals are certified landscape water managers and certified landscape irrigation auditors. The company offers audit services, upgrade advice, technical expertise, and water use monitoring. We already manage irrigation water for the largest homeowner associations in Arizona, and we're prepared to bring our knowledge and experience to help others, including landscapers and designers. Give us a call and hear how AquaTrack saved one HOA some 430 million gallons of water and $200,000 in annual water expenses. AquaTrack is Arizona-based, and you can reach us at 623-594-8689. That's 623 623- Five nine four eight six eight nine. KCAA.
All right, so welcome back to the second half of the Water Zone Show. Hope everybody's having a great day. And uh, Chris, I know there's some updates uh, of what's happening around the world, especially with the Irrigation Association here in the U.S. Do you want to tell us what's going on with them? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I'm glad you remembered that, Robert. So, hey, listen, <laughs> this, is, this is a pretty big opportunity for, our, for some of our listeners at least, right? So um, our colleagues over at the Irrigation Association, the IA, right, they're starting a program. The program is called Watch Us Grow Program, and it's designed for, it's coming up this whole year, right? And it's designed to recognize people in our industry, um, irrigation, landscape service providers, you know, that are that are doing well. And it's a way that they're going to be recognized through the IA magazine. So we're familiar with that, Rob. It's called yep. Irrigation and Lighting Magazine, right? We know what it is. Many people have it. It's a broad, broad readership. So any of our any of our listeners out there, if you this is an opportunity for you. So if if uh, this is a way to for the IA to help you celebrate your business, right? Growth. So if you've got uh, a successful year, you've got a story to tell. Uh, you've been promoting growth within your business, right? You can get the recognition that you deserve if you apply to this program, and you do that by going to irrigationandlighting.org, all one string, irrigationandlighting.org. And applying, and you have to do this by March 31st because that's the deadline. So, listeners, if you've got a business and you want some recognition, go to the IE website, irrigationandlighting.org, their magazine website, and apply. Great opportunity for our listeners, Rob. Absolutely. I guess our company doesn't really have to apply. We've been in business for 109 years, and uh, and we want all these smaller companies to to have a chance to to celebrate and, and exactly. get recognized. And, and uh, so anyway, I think it's a great thing. And uh, anyway, we'll go with that. And I guess as we as we move down the road here for the year, uh, we'll we'll still keep everybody up to date on uh, on what their uh, the uh, contests or or uh, programs are for them. So that's great. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate it. We will. You bet. So we have a uh, featured guest. His name is David Totman, and he sits on the executive leadership team for a company called Innovis, which is owned by a company called Autodesk, and. Uh, Autodesk is probably uh, probably an industry-leading software company for water and wastewater professionals all around the world. They're pretty big. And um, the Innovise, they had made an acquisition of them in 2021, and they had a 35-year record of pushing industry towards more sustainable water stewardship. So they do modeling, simulation, predictive analysis solutions, and they enable more cost-effective and sustainability-designed water distribution networks water collection systems, water and wastewater treatment plants, and flood protection systems. So they do a lot of stuff, have some pretty neat stuff, and uh, we're going to talk with David a little bit more. So, David, welcome to the Water Zone. Uh, yeah, well, uh, thank you very much. Uh, good evening, uh, good afternoon for uh, folks out here in California. <laughs> and good morning if we don't see you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, just uh, sorry, to, I, I won't. I won't go for that way to be a, uh, a comedian. I'll stick with my real job. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so, David, one of the one of the fun questions we like to ask everybody who start off the uh, the conversation is, what drove you to this industry? How did you get acquainted oh, with it, and why, and why did you make the move to do what you're doing? Yeah. Uh, gosh, um, it's been uh, forty years in the making, I suppose. Um, you know, so it, it, it's kind of funny, Rob, right? You know, as I guess fate would have it, um, I actually started my water career uh, uh, at a city of Phoenix 
a municipal golf course using Toro equipment. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I got started uh, back in the day. I, I, you know, went went to engineering school um, and, you know, kind of during my college years at Arizona State University, I worked, you know, the irrigation and turf management, um, you know, kind of help help pay for school. Um, I, I was in the engineering program and, you know, I graduated um, from ASU uh, and became a, a groundwater hydrologist for the state of Arizona. I was, I was doing water quality uh, and then actually did some time in water rights adjudication. Uh, so, so I caught a bit of the, the, the interview about Arizona. So, you know, that's my old stomping grounds, know it quite well. Um, after Arizona, I, 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 you know, went to work for uh, Lockheed. I kind of jumped over to the private sector, if you will, but was a federal uh, EPA contractor uh, doing, you know, basically um, remote sensing and, and, and the use of, of, of water uh, in natural-based uh, systems. Uh, then, then actually, I, I kind of went into just pure IT for about a decade. Um, actually, was kind of building dot coms back in the day. Uh, you know, very structured IT, and, and kind of then got the the engineering bug again. I had to kind of go back to my roots. Um, so I actually uh, ended up uh, running the asset management program at Colorado Springs Utilities, uh, which was uh, you know quite the education. They're one of the largest for service utilities. So we did electric, gas, water, and wastewater all under one program. Um, so great time in, in the utilities. And and uh, after kind of supporting my, my local community, if you will, uh, had an opportunity to go back into global service, back into technology. And, and uh, you know, here we are today. Well, pretty, pretty interesting. Uh, nice background. I mean, very diverse and uh, but it covers a lot of stuff. Uh, Chris, you want to get in here and uh, get a couple yeah, questions to him? Absolutely, absolutely. Welcome, David. Chris here. Hey, listen. So I manage, I monitor the chat board as we're as we're going through the show here. So you know, a couple of people going here. What's Innovise? Right? Is that how you say it, David? First of all, is it Innovise? Innovise, yes, sir. That's the per- correct okay. pronunciation. All right. So perfect. Why don't you give us kind of like you know the thirty thousand foot view? I mean, I know Rob gave a little description of it in the beginning but uh give it give it a shot for us yeah well i know it was a, a, a great intro i thought geez you know done the interview's over where he rob covered <laughs> everything um <laughs> so, so you know and he mentioned autodesk and and i'm i'm on the executive team of of Innovise. um you, you know and as he said for you know about 35 years Innovise has been you know helping people you know manage sustainable water systems and so you know, as, as Rob said, Autodesk, large company, um, well known for their engineering tools. But you know, make no mistake, uh, Autodesk they, they do water now uh, with the acquisition of, of Innovise. Um, you know, to, to be fair, Autodesk water engineers have been using you know Autodesk drafting tools to design build water pipes and plants for for many many years now. But now with Innovise, you know, they can support. Uh, the entire water infrastructure life cycle, you know, from what we'd call cradle to grave, right? So the, the planning of a water system and, and how much water is needed to the, the actual design of the pipes and pumps and plants and to the, you know, building of that, the actual construction to then the operations and maintenance, which, you know, we've been doing for 100 plus years uh, or more, you know, in the U.S. And, uh, 
you know, and then, then when stuff starts breaking, you know, rinse, repeat, start the process all over again. So Innovize is, is focused, you know, in that infrastructure life cycle. Um, we, we're kind of known as the pipe folks, right? We manage the pressure and flow. Um, we have uh, computational tools that help you understand how much pressure and flow is needed in, you know, a municipal uh, system. But we also, you know, deal with the natural environment, right? So we help uh, build or, you know, manage uh, flood and uh, drainage systems. Um, and I kind of mentioned, you know, I came from Colorado Springs doing asset management, and we also have this, basically this portfolio of, you know, understanding what we call asset performance and, and risk modeling. And, and we even have some artificial intelligence for uh, treatment plant management, um, I, you know, understanding how to turn pumps on and off, save some electricity, save some chemicals, that, those sorts of things. So we're, we're really into, you know, all aspects of, of water management. So this you, is a fairly recent acquisition, though, right? I mean, it's not, it, you know, it, didn't, it, it hasn't been 20 years or so, correct? Yeah, yeah, yes, sir. Right. You know, we we we've uh, gosh, we um, you know our our company Innovize, We're we're an amalgam of of basically you know three different engineering firms that that was doing software, and we've all come together through the various uh, permutations of business. And then yes, uh, you know, uh, Autodesk picked us up uh, a couple years ago, and uh, I, I couldn't honestly couldn't be happier. It's uh, it's it's such a natural fit. Uh, to do, you know, full infrastructure management. And your background kind of leads into that exactly, David, as the description as the description went. But you know, tell tell our listeners a little bit more about. Um, you know, they're asking basically the question: Is it just like municipal water or clean water system? But you you gave us a clue and said, hey, that you do flood control, you do wastewater, you do all that kind of stuff, right? So it's a it's a broad spectrum of services, right? Oh yeah, yes, yes, yes. We um we we call it you know cloud to sea, um you know so so from from if you remember high school you know and and understanding the water Barely. life cycle where it, you know it rains you know the the moisture comes up from the ocean rains onto the ground and falls and comes down the mountain ways and into rivers and streams and then we collect it and we treat it and we push it out to the pipes to people's you know faucets and then of course. People use it for irrigation and drinking and bathing, and then it kind of comes down drains uh, one way or the other, you know, toilets, and and we collect all that and treat it, and then we start the process all over again. So yeah, we we are in drinking water systems, we are in sanitary sewer systems, stormwater systems, um, again, you know, treatment plants. Um, so we pretty much, if there's a H2O molecule, molecule, we um, we have uh, solutions to help manage that. Do you? Does your company also make, or are they involved in any of the hardware that's needed to do monitoring uh, and sensors and such? Yeah, great, great question. So n- no, you know we're we're not necessarily in the hardware business. We we work with lots of companies uh, that do hardware. Um, we rely on some of the hardware. Of course, you know today's kind of a state-of-the-art requires sensors and, and uh, you know, I, the IoT Internet of Things. And so we, we rely on much of that data uh, to help calibrate. But, um, you know, so we, again, we work with lots of different uh, hardware vendors out there, but we ourselves, we don't, we don't sell any particular hardware. Okay. And so what, what do you see as 
for your background, what, what do you see as some of the, the biggest challenges that, that, that we face, not only in California, but across the country? Oh, gosh. Uh, you know, challenges. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a great question. Um, it, you know, as I've been in the industry for, gosh, four decades, you, you know, I, I think oddly enough, you know, many of the biggest challenges today were actually the same challenges 10 years ago, and, and I dare say will be the same challenges 10 years from now. Right, that some of these challenges are are just ever present. Um, I, I think water sustainability and resiliency are are top of mind, uh, but it's all kind of in the context of you know um, n- not enough water, you know, widespread throughout the entire Southwest, you know, with drought, um, to you know the other extreme of too much water. Right with with flooding caused by you know extreme weather events, um, but you know I think what's what's going on in the newspaper you see it all the time in the news is you know water main breaks right we have we have water main breaks you know breaking every you know, two minutes uh, is some of the stats in the U.S. every every day uh, and and so you know that's that's kind of the, what we call aging infrastructure right is you know. The pipes were put into the ground many, many, many years ago, and kind of uh, we we kind of say you know uh, out of sight, out of mind. They were buried, and we thought they would kind of last forever, but we now know you know they don't. They are are starting to to fail, and um, you know so that's that's a a, a constant concern because you know uh, a water main break. We don't want to see water leave the system. It's you know wasting water and and. Uh, you know, we can't afford to do that anymore these days. Um, and, and I think, you know, definitely people are more and more people are learning, you know, the, the balance between power and water. Um, like we had, you know, the Texas snowstorms last year and kind of what we're seeing even, you know, right now as we speak. So there's there's all of these complexities, you know, going on with water systems. Um, and, and the, you know, proud people serving uh, water companies, you know, they're all managing this kind of with this inevitable change from, you know, change in technology from (laughs) good old paper workflows to the latest secure cloud technology, all trying to run the darn thing from your phone, right? So just managing all these different moving parts, right? That's um, some of their, I I would think some of their biggest challenges. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, a daunting industry to be in, but I love every minute of it. I, I couldn't agree with you more, David. You know, Rob and I, we so much respect everybody in this industry, all different kinds of disciplines. And, and for sure, we, we know it's fallible. There's things that go wrong and stuff happens, right? So do you have a I mean, there's a couple of famous ones like, you know, Flint or Jackson or even right here in California, Central Valley, and the difficulty of just providing the basic um, clean water to uh, to homes. Have have you guys been involved in any of the quote unquote kind of famous things that have happened, or and and help those uh, help those guys along? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, we we are um, we are very much involved. Myself personally involved in our team uh, at Autodesk in Jackson, Mississippi. Um, we are very proud members of uh, the U.S. Water Alliance, 
Uh, it's a, a nonprofit organization, a kind of a consortium of of public utilities and and private sector vendors that are in the water business. And um, you, you know, when when we started, you know, they started kind of under uncovering things. That, you know, what's going on in Jackson? Um, basically folks reached out to the water alliance and one of the first things they said is we, we got to figure out what's going on with the system uh you know we, we we got some 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 strange things going on and, and we just it's you know difficult to understand we need a we need a hydraulic model and can you guys help and you know we didn't think twice about it we um autodesk we we jumped right in said you bet um you know we are we're proud servants of the industry and we just jumped right in and said we can do a hydraulic model we have the solutions to do that and and we started working with the teams there in jackson and um are are putting together the model and i'm so thrilled to see you know they've they've got some folks in charge now they've got some money they're bringing in some consulting firms uh, to help uh, put boots on the ground, and and you know we're we're there we're there the, to help them out. We're I'm trying to get a uh, a gentleman named I don't know if you know him Fred Womack. He's uh, head of what's called nonprofit called Operation Good in Mission Jackson. Oh, okay. And we're trying to get him to come on. We've had we've had this uh, us and another affiliate of ours from NBC did a story about Jackson, and that was uh, of all the years, well seven and a half almost eight years we've been doing the show. It was the first time I, I, I actually generated tears listening to this oh. conversation because these poor people said, you know, they once or twice a week they can't get water. If it does, it's all brown. They have to boil it. They can't take a bath. They can't wash their clothes. They can't wash the dishes. It was so sad, and they said they talked to the, you know, hey, we're in the capital city of Mississippi, and you can't give us anything. And they said, well, you got to go find money to do it yourselves. I can't believe the government said that back to the city people. And, and and I know the mayor was upset about that, and it, it, it was the only time I, I and I mean I've, I've cried other times I shouldn't admit that, but but this was a really sad story listening to that, and and the same I guess would apply to Flint and other places, even here in California or in Phoenix. There's areas that have contaminated water, and they got they got to work on that. Um, what other struggles have you seen in in, in that uh, for different communities when it comes to water supply? Because, you know, you mentioned that there's, you know, we all know there's aging infrastructure, 100-year-old pipes in Los Angeles and probably all, all over the country. Um, you know, they got to figure out a way to save water. I, I keep seeing water goes down the storm drain and goes out, out to the ocean. And we're losing so much water, we're not capturing it correctly. I, I worry about agriculture and all this other stuff. If they can't get water, they can't grow food, they can't grow food, they can't feed people. You know, it, it's a big trickle-down effect. And I, I believe companies like you serve a great purpose in coming in and, and giving them the tools or supplying the tools that they need to, to make decisions and go forward. But I think it comes down to, at the end of the day, it's a money thing, right? Fixing everything. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it would, um, you know, I think, I think one of those, you know, those costs, um, and if you look at the top 10, the top 20 challenges, you know, um, you know, rising costs. Are, are definitely creep in there, and and so I think I think our our water utilities are are, are having a, a you know struggle you know managing increasing costs with you know kind of the same time reductions in revenue. Um, you, you know, we're our <laughs> water's an interesting business, right? Where 
your 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 business model is to encourage your customers to buy less product, um, you know, through water conservation, and right. and so it, it's it's a challenging thing. Um, but and I think it's it's been you know quite honestly um, uh, personally I, I suppose well it's it's in the it's in the data you know that 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 public drinking water has always been you know undervalued. Um, I, 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 I totally understand, you know, um, you know, one in 10 Americans are, are, are having, are struggling to pay their water bills, but we, we've always, you know, we'll, we'll somehow, you know, society will go pay $4 for, for, a, a you know, a bottle of water at a convenience store. And yet, you know, we're struggling, you know, for, and, and complain about the cost of, you know, thousands of gallons of water that are being delivered to our home. Um, and, and yes, there are challenges out there in, in some of that water that, that arrives at the home, um, because of some of these challenges, these aging, you know, the aging infrastructure. Um, but it, it's, uh, the, the, I think, you know, we have not done a good job. You know, we talk about the water heroes. We've, we've done everything in our power to not be in the news. And we've done everything in our power to to be under the radar, right? You know, the systems just work. You turn on your kitchen faucet, water comes out, and we haven't we haven't done enough, I don't think, to educate. You know, where does that water come from? You know, it's what I would kind of call line of sight, right? You know, so that water is coming in on my tap. Most consumers don't understand the water systems of of you know how that that gallon of water gets to their faucet, and and so. You know, it it we really need to kind of educate. We we need we need to you know better understand and and figure out how we're going to deal with some of the the rate structures. Um, we we need to work this issue at you know all levels of government, at local, at you know county, state, federal levels, um, and we just we we need to do a better job, right? It's it's we all have to drive efficiency, and that's what we're about with our tools is to drive efficiency you know, and literally optimize every single dollar that you spend. Um, you know, people work hard for their money and pay those bills, and, and you they want to know that, you know, every dollar that they give to the water company is being spent wisely, and, and, and there are tools to do that. David, let me ask you a question because <clears throat> I, don't wanna, I don't wanna let us run out of time before I ask this, but um, listen, yeah. if you, you know, you do your modeling and you find out what should be happening, and. And, and the way things should be going, but then you compare it to what is actually happening. And of course, there's probably a difference between those. So this is just sort of, you know, when the rubber hits the road kind of question, you know, what happens when you, when you do the modeling and you find out this should be happening, but this is actually happening, what goes on? What happens next to fix it? Uh, yeah, fantastic question, right? That's, and, and that's, you know that's why we model. That's why we build these computational models, and and we we you know we can model 100% of the system um, because you know you have to make decisions on 100% of the system. It's what we call a digital twin. Um, you know where we, we 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 know the math and the science, and we, we build out the the system virtually. And and just as you said, um, hopefully we have some sensors, or we actually have humans that you know go test the system in the field. And there's a difference, and reality doesn't match what the science says it should, and so that's a way of isolating. We have a way of kind of isolating the problem, and 
you know, almost like the optometrist, you know, better one, better two. And you start zooming in on a good, you know, eye, eye prescription. And we can do the same thing with water systems. We can start to understand which valves may be open or closed or which pipe may be clogged um, and zero in on that problem and hopefully, you know, kind of fix it before it really becomes a, a catastrophic problem and, you know, um, kind of, in, you know, endangers the water uh, going to a neighborhood. Um, so it really is this balancing act of, of comparing reality with the virtual and, and zooming in uh, using science. I would imagine it's a, it's a tremendous time saver as well. Yeah. Uh, yes, exactly. David, where do you see, real quick, where do you see the future of water in the U.S.? Future of water in the U.S.? Wow, that's a, <laughs> that's a loaded question. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I think one, we're, we're going to see, gosh, you know, there's, there's innovative technology happening, you know, all the time. Um, we're better understanding how to predict. And, and we, don't, we don't only just predict, we actually prescribe. Right, we'll understand, you know, what the problem is, and, and not only do we say, yeah, there's going to be a break. We'll say, you know, this is when the break might occur, and this is what you should do about it. Right. Um, so, the science of, of of prescribing outcomes is getting better and better. We've got new new technologies that allow us to, you know, kind of like a stethoscope, understand the system better. Um, you know, just just like the medical industry. Um, I think we do need to look at some of our laws and obviously our funding structures. We all love, you know, the federal government that, that in, has injecting $55 billion into our water systems. But you know, I'm a member of the American Society of Civil Engineers, and, and our report cards have kind of said, you know, that's only a, a drop in the bucket, a proverbial drop in the bucket, right? We have much more need than that $55 billion. And, you know, we're not complaining. We, we, it's, it's a huge, huge uh, investment, but, um, you know, we have to keep at it. We'll push it on real quick. And David, we got to turn it over to NBC for the news hour. We do appreciate it. And uh, we'll put, when we put this out, we'll also put uh, where to get a hold of uh, your company. And we thank you very much for joining us today on The Water Zone. KCAA Loma Linda. The Legacy KCAA 1050 AM and Express 106.5 FM.